Dear brothers and sisters, and welcome to another episode of our Tafsir of Dua Kumail podcast. We were discussing these lines in Dua Kumail. Ya Sayyidi, Ya Man Alayhi Mu'awwali. O my Master, Ya Man Alayhi Mu'awwali, the one whom I depend on and I rely on. Ya Man Ilayhi Shakawtu Ahwali. The one who, when I'm going through a difficult time, when there are issues that I need to speak to somebody about them, I come to him and I complain to him of the state in which I am in, the situation that I'm dealing with. We essentially posed a question in the end of the previous episode that would get us thinking about these lines because these lines actually carry a very beautiful meaning with them. But it's a, it's a meaning that we usually don't pay attention to unless we actually dissect uh, what these lines are actually saying. The question we posed is this. Here Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, Ya Allah, you are my master. Okay, we know that. And you are the one who has authority over me, right? But at the same time, you are the one I rely on. And you are the one that whenever I'm dealing with a situation that's difficult, I have a grievance, I have a concern, I complain to you and I share my issues with you. The question we posed was, is this the way a relationship between a master and a slave is supposed to work? Is this normally how a master and slave interact with one another? And we said if we want to picture this in an even, in an even uh, you know, more practical manner, forget about a master and a slave. Let's just reduce the difference between those two, reduce the contrast between those two, and let's go with someone who has authority and someone who works for that person, right? An employee and a boss. In the case of an employee and an employer, or if you're thinking about your own boss, for example, when your boss asks you to take care of a number of things, right? Let's say he says, I need these 10 reports on my desk by tomorrow. And this is, of course, troublesome for you. It's going to create a problem for you. You, He is the one who has authority, but do you rely on him, number one? And number two, when this situation is created for you, where you have to take care of all this work very quickly and immediately, do you actually complain to him about the difficulty of these tasks? Or do you go and complain to others, right? In fact, what we find in the relationship where someone has power and authority and the other one is supposed to obey them, what you find is that normally the one who is doing the work, the employee, he doesn't complain to the employer, doesn't complain to the boss. The boss is the boss. He has authority, right? He has power. What you do is usually when you're leaving the office, you meet up with another employee, for example, and you say, you know, this boss of mine, right? He's very cruel the way he does things. It's not even like I have a I have a life outside of work and now I have to skip this gathering that I wanted to go to and stay extra hours to get you complain to another employee. You don't complain to the master and the boss. If you think about it, apply that to a master slave relationship that will become even more clear. Right. Because if you think about a master and a slave, a slave will never come to the master and say, you know, this thing you asked me to take care of. You told me to, for example, take care of 
uh, preparing the food, for example. Well, this is very difficult, and I don't like it when this happens, and it really pushes puts pressure on me. What do you think that master, if you can picture a master-slave relationship, what do you think that master is going to say? say? I don't care about this. Like that, None of this matters for me. You're my slave. You're the one who has to take care of things. That's the only thing I care about. You take care of things. And if you have issues, you know, that, that's your problem. It's not my problem. However, here in Dua Kumail, what Ali ibn Abi Talib is in fact saying is the exact opposite of that. Okay? So what he is saying is, Ya Allah, you are my master, but my relationship with you is such that even though you're the one who has authority, even though you're the one who makes up the rules, but at the same time, when I go back and I want to act upon these rules, I want to carry out and essentially bring into fruition the commands that you have given to me. When I go through a rough time or a hard time, who do I come back to and complain to? I come back and complain to you. This is very different from any other relationship that we are familiar with. It is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the one who will present you with the task and then when it's difficult for you and you want to speak to someone, you want to vent to someone, or you even want their help. Because, you know, when, when we speak of speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's not just venting. It's that He has power and authority. He can make things easier for you. So when you want help and you want things to become easier, who do you actually go to? You go back to the same Sayyid. Sayyid in the sense of the literal meaning of the word. You go back to your master. That never happens in this world. In this world, if your master tells you, go clean the house, right? Take care of the cattle, for example. And if it's difficult, do you go back to the master and say, can you, you know, lend me a hand? Can you come and help? He'll laugh at you. Say, I'm the master. You're the slave. That's not how this works, right? Ali ibn Abi Talib is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the master, but he is so kind. He is so near to his servant that when his servant needs help, when his servant needs to speak to somebody, his servant comes to who? Comes back to the same master. And that's why the verses of the Quran says, quoting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? When my servants need me, tell them that I'm near, tell them that I'm close. But now here's the thing, when will, when will the servants want to come and speak to you? When they're trying to take care of things that you ask them to take care of, right? So the command comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's the master. He's the one who has authority. But at the same time, he says, well, I'm the one who sets the rules, but I know that they'll run into difficulties. So when they do, I will also be there to mentor them along the way. I will also be there to hear them in the middle of the night when no one else is listening. I will be there to hear their pain and their difficulty and their plight. Right? I will be there if they need help to make things easier for them. The same command I gave to them earlier on. Right, The moment my servant realizes that he needs help and he prays to me, he asks me for help, I'll make it easier for him. And like I said, this is only unique to the relationship that we have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do not find this in other relationships. That's why in the verses of the Quran, when it comes to Prophet Ya'qub with one of the most difficult tests that you will find in the verses of the Quran, which had to do with him, of course, losing Yusuf. You know, the story has a lot of ups and downs, and that's really the theme of the story of Yusuf. There's ups and downs, and it happens multiple over and over again. But after the first time that Ya'qub loses Yusuf, and this might have continued for 20 or 30 or 40 years, we don't know how long this continued. 
then there came a point where Yusuf was actually in charge in Egypt, right? And he was taking care of the storage of wheat for the region of Egypt or for the country of Egypt. And he was in charge of that task force, essentially, that the king had put him in charge. And then what happened? Then Yaqub is tested with even a more difficult test. He is tested with the idea that Binyamin is also taken away from him. As we know the story that Yusuf, you know, he put his cup or glass in the wheat of Binyamin and then he was taken as if he had stolen uh, this cup or glass. Then Yaqub salam, he says this. He says, listen, if you see me crying, because the verse says he cried so much that he lost his eyesight. If you see me crying, if you see me complaining, the only person that I complain to is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I know of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala things that you all don't know. My children, you don't know. But I have hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. What is he actually trying to say here? What he's saying here is that any complaint, any issue that I find, this difficulty that I find, I'm only going to complain to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But here's the thing, who put you in that situation to begin with? Who took Yusuf away from you? Who took Binyamin away from you? You might say, well, the brothers of Yusuf did that, or Yusuf took Binyamin away from him. Yes, that's true, but who allowed it to happen? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it to happen. It was God that allowed all of this to happen. So now bringing this full circle, it's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who made this happen. And now that you you feel like it's difficult, Yaqub is saying, even though God is the one who put me in this situation, I am also, when things get difficult, I will also go back to Him, the same person, the same entity, the same being. And therefore you find this teaching in Islam that you have to acknowledge that the difficulties that come your way it is with the power and the authority and the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, that, that they come your way. And that when you actually are dealing with that difficulty, you have to go back to Him again. Because He's the one who puts you in that difficulty to begin with. Now, there might be different reasons why He does that. Sometimes it's to elevate you know, who you are and to make you a better person. Sometimes you're on the wrong path. He wants to wake you up. doesn't matter what the situation is. Either way, when you're going through difficulty, you are at whatever level of faith you are, you are definitely going to grow. But he's saying that I will always go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the teaching is whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides for you, then when you're running through difficulties because of what he puts you in, then you're supposed to go back to who again? You're supposed to go back to the same one who put you in that situation again. This might seem like a paradoxical relationship. It might seem like, you know, a contradictory type of situation, right? But there is a reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put you in a difficult situation and then He wants you to go back to Him again and ask Him for help again. Even though He's the master, He is also the one that you go back and you ask for help. Ya'qub is saying, I'm in a difficult position. I've lost Yusuf and now I've lost, lost bin Yamin as well. He has cried so much, right, that he has lost his eyesight. But still, I will go and complain to the one who put me in this relation, in this situation to begin with. And that's why we have hadith. That when a human being, he comes and prays to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching him. When he does his salat, when he is done with his salat, 
وَلَمْ يَسْأَلِ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى حَاجَتَهُ And he walks away from his salat without praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala afterwards, right? Praying in the sense of supplicating or, you know, presenting his request and his hajat to him. وَلَمْ يَسْأَلِ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى حَاجَتَهُ What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? يَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى لِمَلَائِكَتِهِ He turns to his angels and he says, أُنْظُرُوا إِلَىٰ عَبْدِي Look at my servant. فَقَدْ أَدَّى فَرِيضَتِي he took care of the duty that, you know, he was supposed to take care of. He did his prayer, right? But, وَلَمْ يَسْأَلْ حَاجَتَهُ مِنِّي But he didn't ask me for this problem that he has. He didn't ask me for the difficulty that he's going through. كَأَنَّهُ قَدْ عَنِّي And this is the punchline. As if he thinks he does not need me. In other words, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching you and me is listen, Acknowledge and understand that if you're going through a difficult situation, understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was the one who put you in that situation. Yes, other people might have been at work. There might have even been a very evil person at work, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it to happen. Isn't that true? It's true that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't want it to happen, even however evil that person was, right? However much they wanted to mess with your life, if he didn't want it to happen, if, if, if his stamp wasn't on it, if it wasn't done with his permission, right, then it wouldn't have happened to you. So acknowledge and realize this because when you don't acknowledge and realize this, when you don't pray to him and ask him for uh, solving this difficulty that you're going through, essentially what you're saying is that he was not part of this happening to you, which means his power and authority is limited. Like you're assuming that everyone else did this to you, right? And so because everyone else did this to you, what can God do about the situation? No, God made this happen to you. At the very least, he was the one who allowed it to happen to you. So if he was the one who allowed it to happen to you, then you are to acknowledge his power and authority that when you are done with your salat, for example, or even outside of salat, right? That you would go back to the same one who created the situation for you. And if you think about it, and you'll find this in the words of our scholars as, as well, this is such a beautiful way of looking at the world around you. Because the next time a difficulty comes up, the next time a difficult situation presents itself, right? And of course, when I say this, we're talking about situations that come out of the blue. Situations where you don't have a say in. Sometimes, sometimes we have situations where I have a say in, right? And I, I, I mess up. I make the wrong decision, even though I know for a fact that this is not the right decision. My emotions get the best of me. My temptations get the best of me, whatever the case may be. And I make a wrong decision. And because of that, I'm in a difficult position. That's not what we're talking about. That's just purely our fault, right? There's nothing, there's really nothing to explore there. But other situations where I'm not the one who has a say. I was living my life and all of a sudden I know I have cancer. I was living my life and I was taking the proper precautions and all of a sudden I have a virus in my body, right? These types of situations. If you understand this principle now, the moment this comes up, instead of thinking, oh, it's a virus that's doing this to me, it's this person doing this to me, you understand because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it to happen to you, you know exactly who you have to go to, right? So when a difficulty presents itself to you, you say, oh, well, let me go to the one who made this happen for me anyways. Yes, so-and-so was involved, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed it. Therefore, He is the one who allowed this to happen in my life, right? So when the issue comes up, first thing, the first door you're supposed to knock on 
the first person that you're supposed to think of, and in my wording, you know, you'll forgive this wording, the first suspect <laughs> that you're supposed to look at is who is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not in the sense of, you know, he's doing anything wrong. No, whatever he does, he does out of his benevolence and out of his forgiveness and out of his mercy. But in the sense of who's in charge of this situation happening to me? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in charge of that situation happening to you. And therefore, when you need help of it, you also go back to him as well. That's why when you come and pray, if you understand that he is the one who has power and authority, you understand that he is Maliki Yawmiddin, he is the one who is the owner of the day of judgment, right? The day where all the power and authority is for him, but therefore he has power and authority over this world as well. If you understand all of that, then where is your dua? Then why are you not asking him? When you don't ask him, in other words, what you are alluding to, what you are essentially implying is that he's not the one who's in charge. And that's why the end of the hadith says, This servant of mine, he thinks he doesn't need me because he thinks I'm not in charge. If he thought I was in charge, he would have prayed to me. He would have asked me, but here he is, he's leaving the prayer. And in other hadith we have that that he does his prayer very quickly. And he's walking away because he thinks that like someone else out there is going to help him. No, nobody else out there is going to help you. I'm the one who will be able to help you. So going back to this line, to these couple of lines that we read, Ya Sayyidi, Ya Man If you actually think about it and dissect it, they are, from the worldly perspective, completely contradicting one another. Ya Sayyidi, you're my master, but you're the one I rely on? No, no, no. You have to go solve the situation on your own. You don't rely on your... Your master doesn't take care of things for you. You're the slave. You do things. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the master. He is also the one who can get things done for you. Ya man ahwali. He is your master and He is also the one that you can go and speak to when you need help, when you need someone to listen to you. Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi, Ya Rabbi. Three times... We call out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We call his name, my nurturer, my nurturer, my nurturer. Ya Allah, moving on to the next line. Give my organs, my bodily organs, give them strength in your service, right? Make it such that my body can have the capacity and the ability to serve you. This also is part of a very important dua. That we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He gives us the tools to be able to serve Him. Now, of course, if someone doesn't have these tools, right? And they still wanted to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant them with the thawab and the reward? Let's say someone was in an accident, right? And because of that, they are disabled. And because they're disabled, they may not be able to do certain physical things, although they might have abilities that other people don't have, right? And you've seen a whole multitude of examples of this, of individuals who have certain disabilities, but because of that, their other abilities are heightened. Their other abilities are 10 times faster and more accurate than you know other people who have the same uh, capabilities, for example, or the same faculties, I should say. But from a physical perspective, he's disabled. If he's disabled from a physical perspective, but he wanted to do certain good deeds. He wanted to go out there. He wanted to go for ziyarat. He wanted to help people in his community. But he's not able to. Will Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him the reward? Absolutely. Okay. But as it relates to someone who hasn't lost that capability, he is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have that capability and to essentially protect that capability. 
it is also a teaching within Islam that if I want to use my body and my faculties, my physical faculties, to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I take care of my body and my physical faculties, right? This is another thing that we find, unfortunately, in our communities is very much ignored. That you will find people who say they want to serve Imam Hussein, they want to serve the Ahlul Bayt. But the way you look at the way their diet, the way the things they eat, the way they take care of their body, you'll find that this person will not even be able to do this. If you and I claim that we want to serve the Ahlul Bayt, well then that has to show in the way that we protect the faculties Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted to us, including in that our mind, including in that our, our mental health, including in that our physical health as well. And I emphasize on that only because this line in particular is you know, uh, focusing more so on the physical aspect of it. But of course we know nowadays that the mental health of a human being plays as much or even more so of a role in his well-being than his physical health, right? But because this line is speaking more so of bodily organs, I'll focus more on that aspect. If you want to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, well then this body that He gave you, you have to take care of it. This mind that He gave you, you have to take care of it, right? And do we find that in our communities? Is that part of our culture? No, not at all, unfortunately. You will find people who will say, I'm a very practicing individual. But the way he takes care of his body shows you that 10, 15, 20 years from now, even if this person wants to serve the Ahlul Bayt, he will not be able to serve the Ahlul Bayt anymore. When it comes to the intellectual capabilities of a human being, person will say, I wanna, I'm, I'm a soldier of Imam Hussein. I want to serve Imam Hussein. Okay, but the way he essentially is training his mind and his intellect, is it anything near what he needs in terms of capabilities to serve the cause of the Ahlul Bayt? You will find that that is not the case. Ali ibn Abi Talib is telling us, if you want to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need your bodily organs to be at your disposal, to be able to carry the weight of serving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in whatever shape or form that might come. You give me that strength so that using that strength, I would be able to serve your cause. And fortify my inner organs, which we will talk about a little bit more. What is being referred to when we say jawanih? We'll talk about that a little bit more in the next episode. But Ali ibn Abi Talib continues, he says, when it comes to my inner organs, give them strength as well so that I can walk in this path towards you. Like I mentioned in the next episode, Inshallah, we will uh, go into further detail regarding that line. Until the next episode, keep us in your du'as. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.